0: Welcome fellow traveller, you are now listening to the Tent Theology Podcast. Each week we have a tent talk where we pursue the renewing of the Christian social and political imagination.
1: Sean McCoy on the podcast today. Long-time listeners of Tent Theology will know that Sean is one of the co-hosts and original founding friends of this podcast. Indeed, it was Sean's experiences of living in very patriotic Texas and his reimagining of his own social and political situation, which led to this podcast in the first place. I thought it would be a fun idea to spend some time talking just to some of the main friends of this show. We heard Natasha Beckles a few weeks ago. We're going to hear Chris Marchand in another couple of weeks. But right now, I wanted to sit down with Sean McCoy and let him speak and hear his thoughts I really like the way Sean thinks. He's one of the most gracious, generous-hearted, and hospitably-minded people that I know. I think that his view on the world is well worth listening to, and his experiences of what it is to be a Christian, or a follower of Jesus, I probably should say, in this world that we live in, is one that is very valuable indeed. I was blessed by my conversation with Sean, as indeed I'm blessed by my friendship with him, and I hope that you get something out of this conversation as well. Sean McCoy is in the tent with us today. Sean is a co-host of Tent Theology, But you haven't heard his voice for a while because, well, he'll explain why, but he's been taking a bit of a break, a step back while he worked on some other stuff with his business and in his life. And uh, we're really glad that he was able to find the time to come back because Tent is definitely a Sean McCoy vehicle and Sean McCoy belongs in the tent. So uh, never fear, listeners, if you've been wondering where he's gone, he's here. And uh, I first met Sean. Years ago, when I was interviewed on his podcast, which was called Come to the Table, and uh, he interviewed me about my Kierkegaard book, and we became friends as a result of that interview. And then when I wanted to start Tent Theology, I got in touch with Sean, who had been writing to me on and off uh, over the last few years. And I said, what if we did this? What if we started this podcast? And Sean and I also came across Chris Marchand through a different podcast, and the three of us decided to do this thing. So also part of our plan all the time was that I wanted to interview Sean and Chris uh, just by themselves and get a, a feel for them and who they are. And that has always been one of our plans. And then about 10 days ago, a listener named uh, Rachel, you know who you are, Rachel. Shout out to Rachel. She wrote to the tent. She wrote to info at tentheology.com, which anyone can do. And she said, I'd love to hear an episode where you just interview Sean and you just interview Chris. And of course, we also have Natasha Beckles, who's also the third co-host now. And we've already interviewed her once. And uh, Rachel said, I'd love to hear you talk to Sean and Chris. And I thought, well, it just so happens that that has been a plan for at least a year now. So there you go, Rachel. You're You're the one who's kicked me up the backside, got me going. And here we are. This is Sean McCoy, who's going to be talking with us just for the full hour. Sean, we have no other guests. We don't have to worry about interjecting. We don't have to worry about uh, uh, making sure that our authors or our theologians get their full airtime. It's just you and me. How are you doing, buddy?
0: Uh, as always, my friend, I'm living the dream. And and to your comment about uh, whether or not you're physically here, I think of the phrase that, you know, home is where your heart is. And so right. where I may not be in the tent, but my heart is always there. And it, I cannot tell you for Rachel, anybody else, just to you know, that kind of that, just that inquiry or just that desire to, to share like that is just, uh, you can't buy that. So thank you for that. Thank you very much.
1: Now, you, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about what you were working on, like what you've been working on the last few months? What, what is your work? What's been occupying your heart and mind these days?
0: Well, it's more, it's, it's, it's not work in the traditional sense, like what we'd say, like a Western sense. It's not been uh, the, the job per se. It's more of the, the spiritual work, more of just kind of that, um, um, that inner journey. Um something that you know, as you as you mentioned you and I meeting, and actually, where I came across you, as you know, was around the nomad podcast. And it seems like uh, tim and and David and Jemima, even though she's not there, but everybody over there, you know, there's a lot of podcasts. there's a lot of things out there that can have an influence on you and in the last three years, there hasn't been anything uh, that's been a, a, a bigger gateway to my uh, kind of my journey, my internal work and my internal um where I am now versus where I was then where I've been ever, than, than that podcast. And what Tim and them have done over there has just become a conduit, um, a vehicle, if you will, to connect with people like yourself. And because uh, it just, you know, there were some seminal things that happened. Um, it was a buildup. I mean, it's been my whole life, to really be honest with you. So I was trying to think about how to put this into context. It's going to be pretty much impossible, but I think kind of the place to start would be just before I came across your episode. Uh, you know, I, I had my podcast, as you mentioned, come to the table. I started in 2017 because... After, you know, former President Trump was elected, I just was kind of like, there's got to be a better way to uh, to communicate grace and love and humility that I had come to know as part of the gospel and what it meant to be, to, to be a Christian, uh, that instead of, you know, railing on social media or calling him names or making up memes that don't do much good, could I just do a different take on it? And in the spirit of things, you know, I was inspired by the Sidewalk Prophet song and just the whole idea that I've, I'd always seen work in my life, that it didn't really matter who you were. If you could just sit down with somebody and actually have a conversation with them and a real one, you know, chances are it's going to change. And that we say that, and I said that when I started my podcast way back and even the professional ones that I've done, even ours for tent, you say that and I don't think we're ever actually prepared for the impact that it has on are the, seminal, like you can't listen to I, France Williams. You can't listen to the people that we've had on the tent or anywhere else, or whether you're a host or even listening on a daily basis, it changes who you are. I mean, it, it just, it demands it almost. It kind of puts it in the the doors that it opens in terms of your understanding. And it was simply started by, and, and this is, I'm going to juxtaposition juxtaposition ju- ju- this and you'll, you'll appreciate this that before that my entire life had been really dedicated to this academic, kind of like knowledge is king approach okay. to life from the very beginning well, let's, that it was, let's
1: get a window into sean yeah. before so we met in 2017
0: yeah right on there well,
1: yeah. we, we, we met online so yep. what is sean in 2016 what is sean mccoy like what's making up the sean before he starts his podcast what does it look like to be sean Oh
0: well, that's that's a hard i, I mean you're, you're like i was you know 30 early like i guess early 40s i was um you know, just uh, I'd had my own company. I'd started a business as a for-profit social enterprise. I'd gotten away from corporate America and the oil and gas industry, and I actually had a chance to go out there and kind of save the world, as I'd always wanted to do. Uh, this this white knight syndrome that I've, I've
1: <laughs> and you're in Texas, so you're a Texan. I'm in Texas. Uh, yeah, I'm a born and
0: raised. It. All that. Oh yeah, but yeah. we come by it honestly. It's part of our DNA. It's part of the lore. It's the you know the Jesus and John Wayne to. Uh, to the Kristen wine and the rest and, and you know that it was going to be you know the walk softly and carry a big big stick um be the gentleman in the room you know tip your hat uh and you know and people joke about that stuff but it's in the water right it's in the culture. you
1: really you really drank the kool-aid on that right you were really and, and and even, it.
0: Yeah. but even but i wouldn't say i was ever a poster boy for it it was almost indirectly it's, you, you almost kind of get caught up in it whether or not you i mean i'm a first generation texan i had somebody tell me one time that that I wasn't a real Texan because I was the first one born here, um, yeah. Because it's apparently there's some number somewhere that until you actually qualified, I'm not really sure what that is anymore. But um, I would that say that makes they,
1: Mexicans Texan, I guess. But anyway, we'll, I mean, funny, we'll quickly a, skate over that, won't we?
0: There, well, no, no. There's a book uh, James A. Michener called Texas, and you read the first part of it, and everybody's giving their 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 genealogy of how they make them a great Texan, and the last guy is this, he's Hispanic, and he's like, we go back twenty something, thirty generations, and everybody's yeah. like, uh, what? So it's, it's in, if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to put an ear to the floor, you'll hear, you'll understand that. And of course, with indigenous people and things of that nature. And we actually learned that. I mean, the whole state of Texas name comes from, coincidentally, and there's a gentleman, Ronnie Chang, who does a bit on this, that the Tejas Indians were known for friendship. Okay. That's our state, that's our state motto the big bad Texas state motto of don't mess with Texas was actually an anti-garbage, anti-rubbish campaign that worked brilliantly. It was actually not about don't mess with us because we're going to beat you up. It was don't make a mess. Don't litter. Don't litter. And it actually worked. And it was one of the most amazing uh, PR campaigns ever, but it gets, it is in here and it's this, but at the same time, there's this uh, juxtaposition again for as, as with all the history and all the stuff that comes with that, but there's this openness, there's this friendship, there's this, you know, it's almost uh, uh, it's hard to describe people talk about Southern hospitality and in the South and the U.S. is different based, you know, different parts of the South that are different. We're different than Louisiana and everything else. But So you're feeling you, you, you're feeling this friendly, hospitable side of Texas
1: and you and then you're noticing what are you know? And you're noticing something happening to your country or to your people or to yourself. Like, what are you noticing about yourself in 2016 that you think you need to start? this podcast in 2020. well
0: it, it what i noticed was just too much too much divisive rhetoric i can just get like nobody's winning this game like what's the deal where what's the end game the, is the some game we're just going to eliminate all democrats is this some game we're going to kill all the muslims is the some game we're going to i mean how does this work and in it and Are you politically
1: get, active at this
0: time, or do, do you have an no, ideology
1: or a partisanship?
0: Uh, you know, if you look at the voting record and where I typically land up until 2016 was conservative, Republican, if you will, always, always struggled even in college with it, you know, I only had two choices. You'd see somebody on a green ticket or a libertarian ticket for like the Railroad Commission. I remember in college, a guy came up and you're like, I want to do this. And I remember I couldn't vote for him in the primary because I'd voted Republican in the primary before that. And the way the state law set up is I wasn't even allowed to switch parties in the primary. And it was one of those first moments you're kind of like, this doesn't seem right. Like I should be able to vote for whoever the heck I want, not just who you say I can't because I voted some way before. And so the, the cracks start to come out. And it's one of the big blind spots was you know, where my idols are. I mean, I was, I got into my faith in my early thirties. I didn't, I grew up agnostic at best. Uh, You know, religion was trounced upon in my house. I was made fun of. My dad was definitely, uh, you know, not at all religious. And and so I kept thinking I had this open mind and, you know, I had this, the book that brought me to my faith was actually Ecclesiastes. It wasn't the new Testament. I wasn't uh, being, being saved from my behavior I appreciated it, but it wasn't the thing I was looking for. It was the, I, I saw this, the materialism of the world, you know, just not work out like it was supposed to. And yet I had this void. And so here's this story of this amazing, and I really looked into it and really had an opened my heart and mind, if you will, to do that. And was on this journey. And I, what I didn't understand was started to unravel in 2016. Is it, you know, I knew politics I didn't follow. It wasn't active, but, but I understood it had its place and its presence and it had a lot of influence. And here comes President Trump, which just seems to have brought out the worst in us, and, and and I say us as a collective, no matter which side of it you're on, and I don't mean to to be that divisive, but I just felt like it it didn't leave But we'd we had that problem for before that. In 2000, when Bush-Gore, when, when President Bush won there, I remember one of my first thoughts was, yeah, but there were 60-something million people that didn't vote for you. What about them? Yay, we won. And i I become very much um, disengaged with this idea of winning. I mean, it's so prominent in Western culture, so prominent in the U.S. and the world I grew up in, that winning was everything. Whether it was in business or on a ball field or in the military when I served, like the goal was to win, and that was it. That's all anybody cared about, you know, profit or or just whatever. And so, uh, and I just felt there was another way. Like I just felt like we were missing the boat, if you will, and, and there was something incomplete there. And so. 2016 rolls around. Hey, what am I going to do? Start a podcast. I'm going to actually, talk, I'm going to sit down and talk to somebody who's homosexual. I'm going to sit down and talk to somebody who's an atheist. I'm going to sit down and talk about, let's talk about the things we are not supposed to race, you know, religious beliefs, you know, political party affiliations and whatnot, right? Back to what I was saying before is that I was blindly coming into this thinking in terms of where I was at that time to your original question. I assumed it was all going to be for the benefit of the listener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this will help them this will help the listener do what like, this is for you rachel this is so you can be a better person and and you forget and i was very naive that that where it was gonna have the greatest impact was on me yeah uh, right and, and and it wasn't the intention and it's not to be selfish but when you're at the front of it you know when you're at the edge of this uh when you're when you're talking to people when you're talking to your stepbrother about the fact that he's homosexual and he and this is a person that you've seen with the utter confidence, with when un, unwavering confidence in his life, very successful, come all, like the, to melt into and, and, and to see him implode about not being accepted by his father um, or other people, or just the fact that he could get fired from a job, or his or his husband could get fired from a job, and just have and just for that one thing only, and have no recourse in these kinds of things. Or you're talking to somebody about race, and you see the pain, in, and you've been aware of it. I wasn't any dummy. I wasn't. I wasn't delusional. But I didn't, but I also grew up in a time thinking that it was all over. This is a big thing for me as as a kid of the 80s and 90s. I thought, I thought that we had I thought we were all on the same page. Like, hey, slavery, bad idea. Should have never done that. Jim Crow laws. Not couldn't even vote. Uh yeah, but we had the 60s and so forth. So we all, yeah, it was a bad time. And it was, you know, you see these images and you make you sick, you're lynching, but we've now got past that. And we think that women should should there's nothing, well, there's there's you know it should be open, you know, we should, all these things. And I thought that's where we were. I thought we'd kind of learned that lesson and going forward. And I was always, a, uh, I guess, a teetotaler is how you would say it over there. Um, you know, um, you know, kind of a square that, you know, I didn't, disobey you know, disobeying the rules never made me, never gave me any pleasure. And so I was like, hey, let's, let's do things where you're supposed to and let's all follow in. And so then the war on drugs and, and that kind of stuff. And then you start to get. So you were a real law first, and order guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not because, and just because I felt like the, for the most part, you know, Law and Order is meant to really meant to protect you more than is anything. Hey, you should wear your safety helmet or your safety glasses. It isn't because I'm trying to tell you how to live your life. It's so that your eye doesn't get gouged out by a piece of flying debris on a on a machine shop floor or something. And so, and so it was. And so the first episode I did with a friend of mine named Jim Sanders, a um, long episode about race, and he, he he challenged me to read a book because I'm like, well, what can we do? Read. And one of the books he asked me to read was The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. And much like um, the Nazi Doctors by Robert J. Lipton that I read when I was in the Navy when I was younger, and much like Malcolm X's autobiography, there was no entertainment value to that book, but it was seminal. And, and it starts to open and it starts to correct. And there was a guy uh, who who at the same time gave a, um, he, he was a, not a guest speaker, he was one of our people in the congregation of the church I went to. The first time at a pulpit, the, 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 the gentleman who, who baptized me and, and asked me to read Ecclesiastes that opened my eyes to, to my faith the original, the original pastor. The point is that he he never made anything political from the pulpit. Like it was all it was it was it was almost to the like you never knew. Like he just he it was always grace and love, and it was always the essence of it. But it was never political. And in this, and it was probably eleven, you know, 10, eleven years in, um, right before all this kind of started. This guy, named Kurt Cow David, gave a guest. He was one of our congregates, and he was the first person that openly on a pulpit challenged the idea of Are we idolizing? Our own country. Are we idolizing the American flag? If we're gonna. We're, how far are you gonna take this? How far should you take this, in terms of evaluation? And it was a. And it just kind of, like one of those little. I, I likened it to like the, this dam that it had cracks in it and things chip. Things were chipping off. That was kind of this first little like real kind of hole in the like like okay. Uh, am I am I idolizing? Because man, I'm from Texas, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, we, it runs thick. You don't got to ask us where we're from. You'll know. We'll tell you. And then you'll be like, and we know the state bird and the state flower and the state tree and the state motto and the song and the history. We learned Texas history before we learned U.S. history, by the way, in school. Like it's part of it. It's in the, I mean, it's in everything we do, you know, and, and you know it, you just know it and you can speak it. It's almost another language. So what was your feel?
1: Like what What does it feel like to hear somebody, you've been in a church for 11 years and nobody ever talked about anything like
0: this. What did you, what was your first reaction? Do you remember? Oh, uh, it, it was, it was like a, you know, best way I can describe it is like a light bulb. It's like, it's that proverbial, like as, as kids, when we used to watch cartoons when that Ding. it's this, all of a sudden you widen and you're, it's, it's, it's that aha, like, holy, like what? Oh, you know, now it's the sea and now I can't unsee. I didn't, it's, it's been there the whole, frick, the whole time. And now all of a sudden, oh man, now you have to see it. Now, now it's clear. What did you see? That it was idolatry? The potential, yeah. Okay. Is it, you know, it was the challenge. It was this idea of, well, how, you know, how far have you taken it? How far is it? And also an idol to me, like for me, it challenged me, not just yeah, I can see. So I can see my buddy David over there, and he's he's got the problem. He's he's idolizing the University of Alabama because he wears the hat all the time, and it, he's the one with the problem. It was like because you know it's look you got to talk to yourself first, right? I mean it, that's this is where we got to start it all, and so and so with that, you know then then I'm then, I, then fast forward to this, you know I get this like on my Twitter page. I didn't have a reactive Twitter campaign. It's a little red dot, and I'm sitting in a parking lot at this HEB, which is a grocery store down here. I can still remember to this day from the Nomad podcast. And so I go and, you know, oh, this is great. Thanks for liking me. I'm like, yo, let me check your podcast out. Cause I'd found that podcasts were this mainstream media and whatever else they have their place of doing things. They're not trying to educate you. They're just trying to incite you. Podcast became this place to really learn and engage. And I was on this, you know, learn, learn, learn knowledge, 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 build up the hours and I'll know stuff. And sure the first episode I listened to for Nomad is with N.T. Wright about the book, this thousands of pages, you know, book and it's typical. It's all the things you would expect, right? Everybody's talking with the British accent. There's just something about that; that makes us seem smarter. Like, I mean, look, <laughs> like, I get the stereotype. I've walked—if—if if you've ever walked through Westminster Abbey and Jeremy Irons—you put on the audio headset. I've walked through there, and it's just the thick, you know, just the embodiment of—you just feel like it's just oozing this knowledge and when it is coming out of it, right? And—and and so I'm like, okay, here it is. And then, as I got to listen to more episodes, then Brian Zahn's episode comes up about Christians in the Age of Trump. And and if that thing with Kirk was like a little light bulb, this was the atom bomb, right? And he finally put sorry, um, he put That's sorry, good it's good. No, it's because right? it, it's you know, because it, it means something to you, and you and, yeah. and you and you just, I was like, I've been missing it, I've been yeah. missing I mean, holy crap, like, <laughs> we deify George Washington. We, We have created this, this idol of this nation that, that, and dude, it runs deep. And so, you know, and I'm just like, and then you start thinking about the impact and you start thinking about, oh my, like, I've listened to that episode so many times I can almost sing it. And then at the very end of the episode, like they do, no matter which I love. And I remember Tim saying, you know, just, that sounds very Beckhausian. That's the word he used. And he says, if you want to, you know, if you want to get a d- different version of this or, or, an, expan- or an expansion of this, uh, go listen to our episode before with Stephen Backhouse. So, you know, like <laughs> at that point, right, the floodgates, you know, it's like, what, what in the world? Like it just, and I sent that episode to people that I knew because it now, because it made sense of why we, how did we, how do we have this atmosphere with, with President Trump? Well, how do we have this? Where's all this coming from that I thought was gone? Where's all this coming? This isn't the nationalism that I know. The nationalism I know is where you know, from this, you know, it's the Marine Corps hymn, and it's, you know, we're the good guys that came in and saved World War One and World War II. It's all, that's the first book I ever read without pages or without pictures was about the Battle of Britain and the RAF, and I think the only thing that that saved me from being totally wrapped up in it, and being a poster boy, was I remember, and this is always a seminal moment for me as a 10-year-old or 9 or 0, however old I was, reading about these RAF pilots and, you know, Lieutenant so-and-so and Captain so-and-so, And you, you know, you like you do in a story, like you do when we read our comics, like you, you, you love this person and they would go off and they would go off and then one of them wouldn't come back. And I can remember as a 10 year old going, no, no, no. Right. (laughs) You know, the heroes don't die. Right. John Wayne gets shot in the arm and he's okay. And I remember like that and watching The Deer Hunter at a way too young of an age. At the same time as you're enamored with it and enamored with that stuff, you are also. I was aware that it, that it didn't always end well, so it, it kept kept a little bit of that edge away, if you will. And so, I go listen to your episode, and it and it took Brian's episode, and then just whatever was left of my of my uh, piecings of holding on to the, this idea of you know nationalism. It, I just there was nothing. It was a slate. It was just wiped clean. And I'm listening to you talk about you know people that that really embodied, like didn't just get a tattoo of a cross. Didn't just put a neat Bible verse from Kirkland's on their, on their wall. Didn't just, you know, point it during a a sermon and go, that's some good stuff and then walk out and forget it for the next week. Um, These are people that lived it, you know? And so it's like, what does that mean? Take yourself, like how far committed are you? How are you, how much are you willing to do to follow the way, to follow the way of Jesus and to follow the way of Christ ultimately? that spirit of people in it. And that resonated with me. Um, And again, I mean, I still to this day, this is three, however many years later, I I can like your episode, I can all, I listened to it. I mean, there was four particular episodes and those were the first two that I just, like if if it was an old school cassette tape, they'd been worn out at this point. And that's what tempted me to reach out, talk to you about that nationalism and Kierkegaard and challenging that that sentiment that we had come up with, this cultural bias that I didn't know I had, because we're just people. And at the same time, you have to be, have a little bit of grace. We were talking about that earlier, you know, it's cause then you start to, cause then I got, I got so, and then you add in like reading the book about Jim Crow, you start reading, I started reading, um, um, uh, it was, you know, the, the Pete Enz's book, um, book, uh Brant Hansen's book, all these things you start realizing, like, if I'm going to really follow the word, like, what does this actually mean? You know, what is this actually? Because like Bangor like Ecclesiastes is about materialism and seeing the trappings of corporate America and the promise of more is better that I, I believed in for so long. Not work, for lack of, I mean, that's being nice. Like not only not work, but like, I think it's actually counterproductive and it's actually stinting the growth. And then those two just it just blew away. And then you're this empty, you're almost like an empty canvas. You know, you're not a clean canvas, but it's an empty one. It's kind of like, what in the, so what do I do with this now? What, what, because it was so fundamental, like, and I told you this story, like I went into my closet, it got so deep for me, I went in my, I went in my closet and threw away everything that I owned, every piece of clothing, every hat, with a, with an American flag or a Texas flag, and if you know anything about marketing in Texas, to slab a, slab a Texas flag on that sucker and you'll sell more of them than you would without it. Again, Texas edition trucks and this and make 1830s. So, I mean, go on and on, right? You know, that everyone knows the drill depending on where, what's the, but here it's like, and you don't even, I mean, it's, it's, it's you talk about branding, you, know, you talk about market. And so, but I couldn't, but I couldn't do it anymore. And I used to get, I used to cry in my own heart. Like my favorite song was The star signal banner. And I, and I said, I would say that, I never got really asked that, but in my head, every time I'd go to baseball games and, you know, I remember you talking, the pitter-patter, right, of your heart and standing there at a baseball game with everybody singing in unison, looking at the American flag. And if you look in the bottom right-hand corner of the American flag, you can see a little Texas flag. I used to look at that. So if it's got the red and white, red and white stripe with the one star. That's the Texas flag, by the way, if you look at it. And I'd look right there as the song would go on. And I would, and I would think about all the things I knew about our history and all the pride and all the... You know, and it would just, it would, it would it bring you to, like, it'd bring me to just this level of like, mm, I don't, you know, it's, it's beyond description. When when it's flipped and you start to, it is. Like, you've talked about it, like you've you said in your episode, it's stronger than it's religious. It's, it's it's stronger than a religion. It becomes this thing, right? And so I know that. I know I know. And now I grew up in a time where it wasn't really cool doing the military. Nobody celebrated that when I joined in 92 and I got out of high school. It wasn't like now people give ovations and give their seats away in first class and everywhere. Yeah. Post post 9-11, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was in 92 to 98. We didn't do that. (laughs) You didn't wear your uniform out in town. The two places I was ever was ever really treated well like that were were in Seattle and Portland. They were very good to us in the nineties. But look, Ninety-nine percent of the time, and when you got out, I mean, p- very few people. A couple of gentlemen did. Terry Sabley, at a company that was one of the few people. My ex-father-in-law, you know, they were the few the people that people every once in a while would, would they would tell you, "Hey, thanks for your service." And they, so you didn't hear it. Now it's every five seconds you get thanked for your service, and and you, without even doing anything. So and and I'm not trying to be flippant about it or, or dismiss it, and I appreciate the sentiment because it's always in earnest, Stephen. Yeah, of course. It's always an earnest. I mean, yeah. I've had people like this. You can see it. Like, they want you to know they're, yeah. they're grateful. and they well, are. they're
1: feeling what you felt when you're sitting in your baseball game watching right. the American flag. They're feeling that
0: looking at you. Right, right. And I do think there's still this hang up. There's still this compensation from Vietnam and Korea because we weren't that way. That everybody's kind of make up for it. And when I was a junior in high school and we had the first Gulf War, oh my God, you talk about a, a pep rally. I mean, what a perfect storm of patriotism and righteousness. And here's this evil dictator kicks you know, Kuwait's butt. And we come in with this coalition and kick him right back out. And then we stop and it was like quick, done in a hurry, efficient. We were right, parades, and now we can be proud again for the uniform and off we go, right? And then we just forget the part that said the reason he went into Kuwait was because he was so much in debt from an eight year war with Iran that we helped him with, that he was just trying to, he was just trying to find resources to pay for his, you know, and that kind of thing. Let's not talk about that part. So that, and that was, it wasn't, and I threw away all this stuff, including the first thing I ever bought when I was 18. I told you about this leather jacket, this vanilla ice, big USA flag on the back that, you know, when I used, first thing I ever bought as 18 years old, and I wanted it when I was in junior high, couldn't afford it It was not even a thought uh, with the way that I grew up that I was ever something I was gonna possess. And it actually wouldn't make a lot of sense in Houston to buy a leather jacket anyway, but it was this thing that you wanted. I wanted it and it was the first thing I bought. And I'd had that thing at that point, (sighs) So that was five years, so 25 years. I'd taken that thing everywhere with me. One of the few things I've had with me, like every step of my life. And I put it on one last time. And and I couldn't do it anymore. And I couldn't uh I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't wear it. I couldn't, I couldn't put it, it wasn't on a pedestal anymore. And I just I had to get so I got rid of it and I and I just threw it away and and then you're having to live with the other side of that. So now you're kind of this blank slate and the next two things coincidentally that kind of helped then kind of direction literally and figuratively uh Janet Williams uh, came on the show for Nomad and was talking about apophatic theology which is just this you know it's not around dualism it's not just some it's not some word play game it's this whole way of looking of just kind of letting like letting everything go. I mean everything that you think is this having this and realizing that this is something that's been going on for centuries this isn't like cool people in 2021 are all of a sudden figuring out that we should do this like we've known this like cultures and civilizations we've known this and the knowledge gets lost and it gets kind of covered up by stuff but that particular episode i feel episode, like i
1: feel like pausing just briefly to, yeah. to dwell on the word apophatic because that might not yeah. be something familiar to a lot sure. of listeners but it's, it's the form of theology or of thinking about the divine or thinking about mystery which doesn't try and control it or answer it it doesn't try and give positive definitions it sort of says you know how you think about god as a father well god is not that you know how you think about god as a mother god is not that you know how you think about god as the great sky being in the universe god is not that (laughs) it's it's always stripping away your certainties that your little um, metaphors and images and it's trying to get you into a mind space where you realize truth is bigger than you can apprehend right right
0: Right. And, and, and that it's okay. And it's you know, this okay. this yeah. this is the part that goes against like we're supposed to you know, pursuing knowledge, pursuing understanding, pursuing control. We want to make sure we understand what's going on. We have to, we have to understand what it is and give it parameters and, and that way we can control it and manipulate it in some way and at least manage it. Right. And this idea of just going beyond and just realizing that at the end of the day, I don't have a clue. Yeah. I don't have a clue. Well, it's you know? very Ecclesiastes, isn't it? Right. Right. And yeah. it's you know very much in a, in the sense of just, yeah. I mean, right you get oh here's all this stuff it's just dust it's yeah. just dust you know it's just stuff and i remember it makes me think of hurricane harvey when it came through here and i spent two weeks literally tearing people's houses down that had been flooded with six seven eight feet of water wow
1: yeah. and
0: and you and i remember just every time it's just drywall some wood <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's literally your know, bricks just compacted dust it's just dust some pipes and some wires right it's not this thing and i can remember getting all sentimental about my house because i was afraid it was going to flood and then later i was like why am i attached to this thing right and it's requiring kind of this which obviously fit very well in that in that stage so it kind of gave me this i don't know if hope's the right word but definitely some parameters okay
1: so what's happening to your friends and family while you're going through this <laughs> you're, you're going through a time of being refined and being authentic and and you're living true to yourself, and you're having freedom, but what's happening to your wife, and your kids, and your yeah, parents? Yeah. And-
0: yeah, you should talk to my wife. She'd be like, <laughs> well, uh, most days, I think he's about to lose it, but, you know, and he gives me hope, and, you know, it, it, it's it's a very lonely road, I'll tell you that much, and I do that because 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 then, you, yeah, you have this paradox, right? I have kids in America growing up in upper middle class, you know, here I am with this stuff going on, and my kids want to you know, go to Six Flags Over Texas and just, you know, or they want to, they want to buy this, they want to buy that, or, the, you know, the, or it comes up, or my, friend, yeah, my friends definitely the social circles, but they're all still wearing it. They're all still eating, breathing it. They're all, they're the ones that are having the comments and stuff that you can talk about that you could expect in the commentary, especially as things start to move into now and social justice and whatever else. And those conversations, their conversations didn't change. Their perspective didn't change. Not that we were all part of some big, you know, conspiratorial cult-like thing, but it's, it's everywhere. And I look, and I don't have, these are wonderful people. This is the other paradox back to almost like the Janet thing where the, the apophatic is, these aren't, these. they're not evil. Like the idea yeah. isn't, well, if we could just eliminate all of them, we'll just be fine. If you, you're just trading one problem for another versus, and it goes into this idea of shalom, which has become a very important thing with me, which is, I used to think peace is back into the, the, the back of this was, if I have more strength than you, you know, you know, peace is, you know, peace through superior firepower. Like that was the motto I grew up with and saw emulated in every movie, every song, every book, every story, right? That's how we get peace is we just got to make sure that the bad guys aren't here. And then that, then we'll have peace. And, and we, and we know this is the sad part. If you really, really play that out, it's not, it's not, you know, the Shalom thing of, of this tension, you know, what does happen, when, a, when an immovable object and irresistible force come together actually what happens is balance <laughs> that's what that's what makes a bridge work that's what makes a house stand up is that you have these two opposing forces and they come together in such a way that's balanced actually complement each other and you actually have that that moment of, of of peace if you will in that in that context but as soon as something goes awry it all comes it comes crumbling down so the, yeah i mean i kept a lot of that i would say internal i mean I, people like you um, podcasting world, those are world people that are having those same sentiments, a lot of online stuff, a lot of people that were, especially on, um, from a faith standpoint, they were going through that.
1: Are you Are you going to church still by this stage? I mean, what are you doing with your I, yes, apparatus yeah, it new, of Christendom? What are you doing?
0: With yeah, that? so I was, and it was more, I'd gone, we'd left, uh, cause the, the, there was a new pastor at the church I'd been with for, the only church I'd ever known before that, and then uh, my wife hadn't connected it was a much more academic and, and presence and she just didn't connect. And that's a big thing for her. And so we started going to this other church at a, at a movie theater of all places, <laughs> you know, big movie theater. It's all set up and it was, it was very much a, I wouldn't say evangelical, but the big band, the cool youth leadership, your, your typical modern American cool progressive church kind of format and good people. Again, some of the most amazing sermons that were heard there, but also very, very structured and, you know, kind of, there was this, I started to listen and hear because one of the things that, that apophatic uh, got to me and then ultimately with this, the, the fourth one with around Alexander Shia was in this understanding of dualism. And then it goes back again, back to Tim, Tim kind of burst my bubble really, really big at the same time with one comment about music. I'd been listening to nothing. I challenged myself when I became a Christian, when I was in my early thirties to, to listen to this, you know, kind of garbage in garbage out, if you will. And I mean that, don't take that the wrong way, but just what's feeding your soul. And literally spent 12 years, not to be a good goody goody, good, but like never listened to anything besides Christian music, mainstream American Christian yeah, music. Yeah, but
1: that's not going to feed your soul very well no, at
0: all. <laughs> no. What, what, and it, well, for me, it was just like, you know, it just kind of reemphasized all this stuff. Well, then all of a sudden, and Tim made one comment about Christian music. Cause in my head, I'm like, why didn't everybody listen to this kind of thing sometimes? You know, look, it's, I'm an egotist, I'm still a person. And, and I remember he just said, what's well, all about you, meaning me. And then I started listening to the, like, I can remember where I was standing. When he said that, and I went, huh? And I started listening to the songs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I am redeemed. Right, resurrecting me. Me, yeah, I, I, I. Me. Like it's, yeah. yeah, we're all singing it together, but ultimately, this is about me. Yeah, you know, you know, Amazing Grace is about me. And it's my my favorite. You know, one of my favorite. Uh, you know, just the seminal. But it's, it's, you know, all I,
1: about individual and I,
0: salvation. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm listening. I'm going, damn it, Tim. Like, I mean, seriously. And it is just like, Tim, a, is
1: this your pastor or you Tim Nash? No, this is Tim, Tim, Tim Nash, Nash oh, Tim old, from
0: Nomad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From Nomad. Like he said this and I just like, dang it. And I started listening. And then you add in the dualism part where it's like out of the light, out of the darkness and into the light. It's, uh, this over here is bad and this over here is good. If you just, it's what I call now coin this negativity gospel. We look prosperity gospel is a, its own disaster. Um, you know, that uh, just whatever, but negativity gospel doesn't appeal to me anymore. It never really did that you're just this terrible, you know, piece of you know what piece of scuba piece of scuba on right right that that needs to be saved thank god and thank god god did this or else you'd be you know you'd be out of luck and it's so that and you start listening and then you start to realize that all the sermons and all the songs and all the perspectives are used to be bad now you can be good and now you're saved you're good you're okay and i started listening going dang it it's in every second like like overwhelmingly the message is in there and i just been listening to it over and over and over again so now, uh, you know, the nationalism started to blown up and it just, the music, I can't even listen to music now. And I hear it.
1: Oh, your life is being ripped oh, apart.
0: Yeah, no, it's this, it's just, this torrential, you know, it's this, this, you talk about, you know, stirring the pot or, or, you know, upending things. And then the fourth one coincidentally is I listened to Alexander Shia and he, he talks about Quadratus and the work that he's done around this and this four path journey. Um, that he's looked at and and, and derived and is drawn from directly from you know Joseph Campbell and, and who inspired George Lucas around the Star Wars story and, and if you were Heroes looking at Joseph and, yeah yeah and so you start really looking at that and you start looking at this process and then you know the first the first path is you know accepting this challenge or this or going on that first step I mean what is it going to take that you just, you know kind of take that first step recognizing that there's an opportunity here and, you know, it's, and there's all kinds of subsets of that but there's also aspects of that where sometimes you don't get asked to go on that journey. Like it's just here, a diagnosis or a, a difficult issue or a car wreck, or we small or big, but this this thing. And then the second, the second path is around suffering. Like it's the, it's the, it's the one part of this whole thing in our life experience. What do we do with that? What do we do with suffering? It's not just that it's there, but that on some level, God allows it to be there. It's part. So and does it just to make suffering go away? Well, now we go back to the Ecclesiastes and the, you know, is it all about finding luxury and comfort? Is that the answer? Cause at that, I played that game, I've been around that game enough. It, it doesn't, it and it doesn't work. And I don't know anybody that it works for. I think that there's a lot, of, a lot of superficial success out there, but not core. And also at the very back of my head from the very beginning of my time in this world, like my, my question above anything else, I don't care how far, how much, or how many, all this, all this, you know, knowledge, accuracy. To me, none of that. Let's go find it. Let's go down that road. Let's. But I don't. None of that matters to me more than why on earth are we here? Like, what in the world are we doing? Why are we here? Great. Oh, why? Why? That's all. I, just give me, give me some idea of why we're here. And so this starts to answer that question for me. And I think it's the it's the Giant why answer. helps with this, right? Right. And so it's and it and, it's, and here's the thing too about what I love about him and what he'll tell you. Is it? It's not even him. Like you know, Lutheran, Lutheran, Calvinist. Cal- this isn't him. He's not. He didn't come up with this. And, and quite honestly, neither did Joseph. Kim. You're just defining. It's almost like a little bit like science. Like you're defining what's already there. You know, DNA, or or the way the water cycle works, or anything scientific. We act like we're somebody special because we've defined this. It's, but it was already. It was already working that. It didn't wait for us to work that way. It just is. It was just put in motion some, you know, the divine put it in motion and we're just, we're just kind of giving it some parameters is what we ultimately do around science and other things. And so that second path around, so now here comes the call it suffering or issues or obstacles. So now you're on, what happens? And we all know this, I'm going to go start a new job. As soon as you start, bam, issues, right? I'm gonna go down here, bam, there's issues, right? And instead of looking at it like a negative no, this, this is where, this is where the growth, this is where this becomes, this is what's going to bear that fruit. If you stick with it and if you give it some, some, just, just honor it. Don't run from it, but get in, you know, it's part. So get in there, in the trenches, in, in that kind of thing. And again, this comes, it's a, it's alliteration of the military side, but, you know, and then, and then what happens after that is that third path, which is now there's going to be a fruit. Now there's a, you know, now you're gonna get to something. There's going to be an evolution. There's a transformation. Something comes about now you're no longer now you keep going, and now you're. Uh, here comes the moment. Here's the flower it gets bloomed because what happens is the plants, right? They start the seedling. They're going to become growing. They, 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 grow, 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 and they get all those things, and now, and so here comes the flower. And there's that's the third path. And then the fourth path was now you have to do something with it. <laughs> so, so uh, what are you going to do? Great, you have all this stuff. You have a degree. You have all this money. You have whatever. But what are you? How are you going to apply it? And where do you? And what are you going to do with it? How are you going to serve? Serve so this you, gift was, you've been given.
1: What is your answer when you say what what am I here for?
0: I think it's now it's simply doing it's just going through that path. I think we're here I, you know, I kind of told you about this idea it's it's the short version of all this is I've you know I've left Christianity to uh, to seek wisdom, you know, transformation and to follow the way. That's kind of how I look at it now and and I don't and it's no more than that. And if you it's just continue if you look at nature, if you look at the way we we go through those four paths and then we and then it's on to the next one. And it and there is no there's no end per se. There's no like now we're here. And that's a big problem with like Disney stories and the rest of the stuff. <laughs> As we get to the end, we're like, yes, the, the, the dragon was defeated. And, and the worst, the worst line ever is, and, and they lived happily ever after, right? And there was like, nah, because right? then the bills are due and then the kids are born. And then they got to, you know, I got to teach them that whatever comes up, right? It just continues to go. So to me, it becomes, and then what is your heart and your mind? And how do you approach those? things? That's the That's the opportunity. What are you going to do? when you have that challenge that comes up, what are you going to do when those issues? Come, how are you going to, because there's the way you're going to do it. There's the way you think and the way that you want to address those things, but your heart and mind dictate that. And then coincidentally, those experiences dictate how your heart and mind look at them. And so it's just this ever, ever evolving or ever revolving thing that you go through in those areas. And that, to me, that's become, that's it. And it seems simple and kind of like, is that it? Yeah. And then whatever, and wherever that takes you down, the, it's like a tree. It's like, it's just like a tree. That's because like, that's where the tree goes. You have the main trunk, and then have all the branches, and they're all doing their four their four paths over and over and over again, going in different directions. And this one over here, and you have this large trunk, but over here there's this little branch Because today I'm going to try to learn Spanish. You know, I'm going to let me go try to learn that. And it may not go anywhere. It may fall off. It may just it may rot away or whatever. But you know, it's just it's just continu- you're just continually doing that and growing and growing. And so that becomes, to me, the purpose. You Which know, your heart and mind. And then I also think there's an element of your body and how that influences that was is a little bit of the nature, culture, things of that nature. These are the lenses by which you're going through all these things. When something, if your child, if you, uh, you know, if you, if, if you have a situation good, bad or indifferent, however you want to look at it, you know, how you respond to that initially that invitation or that challenge to do something, your heart, your mind, your body it directly impact that, how you see that. Oh my God. Yet again, it's, it never ends for me. It's always terrible. I can't believe I have to do this one more time. I, I, I never, I'm, I'm always, in this, it's always bad luck. Well, it, and then becomes, this. it becomes this perpetual thing that you think it is because that's where you, because that's the way that's the lens that you look at it. And I'm not being naive to say, well, if I just look at everything great and wonderful, it'll always be great and wonderful. That's not it either. That's not really it. It's, it's understanding that, Hey, I may not realize that I have an idol. Where is it? How do I understand that plank in my eye? What how do I really look at that?
1: Does the word, does the word worship mean anything to you anymore? Like what, what does the, if, if idolatry was something that really struck you at the heart, the idea of idolatry really struck you at the heart. That's what started it all. Yeah. So that's kind of false worship. Is there, is there such a thing as authentic worship? And yeah, what does that that's, look like for You, you,
0: you honor the gifts that you were given. So how do you honor this gift of life? Right. How do you, how do you love back? Cause, cause you telling me God loves me, or I hear this all the time. That's great. Uh, it's it doesn't you know a lot of people are like i yeah, don't feel like it, and I think maybe that's part of the challenge is that you know back to this what do we do what we what do we do with these situations how do you handle uh you know january sixth here in the United states how do you handle you know systemic racism that still that still permeates through so much of our society how do you what are you gonna do with it okay great so we yeah it sucks, looks at it man it's terrible makes me want to throw up makes me want to like you know it it challenges me, but how do I then go back and honor how to honor the examples of the people before me? How to honor the example of Jesus when, when when the very life of Jesus was threatened? What did Jesus do? Simple. So how do you honor that? Well, when it's my turn, my my way of doing that, my way of worship is to try to honor that. Not talk about it, not write a book about it. Yes, right. Right. But like yeah. I do desire it. mercy, not sacrifice. <laughs> right, right. Your right, words do something- of worship
1: disgusts me. I'd rather see. Just as flow like a river
0: yeah right it's the whole love it's the whole you know whole paul verse about you know you can do do all these things but without without not just love but like that that's that fourth pattern like that apply it love unconditionally I mean, isn't it, and that's freaking hard
1: it's so interesting <laughs> like, i've been around christians who when you talk about love like we've just got to love and they kind of roll their eyes and stuff as if that's like this old cliche You're like that's kind of it that's the only thing we've got and you ask any mystic and they'll always tell you love was his meaning and love, it's all about love. And like, you kind of have to see this, this old word with new eyes, right? And not roll your eyes at it. It really is the hardest, the most simple and the hardest thing to do.
0: Oh, right? and that makes me think of apophatic because it's both easy and difficult. It's, it's both, but it's neither. And, it's, and, and it could also be um, unreciprocated. It could, be, it could be, it could be, it could be for what seems like not like you, you build up this almost, you know, you build up this beautiful thing and nobody wants to buy it or nobody wants to use it. Nobody recognizes it, you know, and is that the reason you're doing it? So I think to me, your question, I think that, and I think that's one of those core questions I have to ask, ourselves: how do you honor God? If you just, if just going to church on Sundays, honoring God, or, or and I used to do this every day, I'll oh, make sure I go to my Bible app and read the one verse today. It's part of my, part of my checkbox. All right. So at least it was in the word. And yeah, I took a minute or a second to look at that verse and I could it a couple of places and then off you go. Like, is that really worshiping? I'm really honoring love? <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Well, nah. at the same time, I hold, you know, hatred and angst and grudge and I'm mad and I'm like, dude, you're missing it. And I'm saying to me, I'm like, I'm like, you know, and then I went through some things with my mother about forgiveness. And and I will tell you, it's, 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 here's the thing, forgiveness and things of that nature or some of these things, and I want to recognize it is hard. You mentioned it in that episode again, because I hear it all the time. It's not hard to understand. It's hard to do. But but if you can do it, if it's really, if it comes from within, if you're hard and minor and that's such a way that it says, I really want to honor this and I, and I get why and I'm going to take that chance out there. All I can say is the potential for reward. And that maybe be, it sounds really bad because I don't want to feel like it's something you're going to get. So so scratch that whole idea. Whatever whatever harvest you wish to have bloom, whatever harvest you wish to come. You can use fruit
1: fruits language right. i think there's something. so what there. fruit
0: do you, you want it to be no. sour super yeah. sour Yeah, it's, it's nutritionally valuable and it's nice looking but it's it sucks to eat it didn't really help us what do you want the world what do you want and it almost comes like a legacy thing what do you want that it may be just one person you'll you might never ever get a chance to be to get a chance to impact that person or or, or nobody may ever ever know what you did for this one person
1: i think it's interesting that you're you so much of your life earlier was defined by honor you're honoring the flag you're honoring your country and then you served in the military and you're really motivated by the idea of honor and it's interesting that that idea has not gone away the honor has not gone away it's the objects that you are cleaving yourself to that's what's changed right
0: and, and i hope that speaks because you don't want to you know the, the whole baby in the bathwater thing it's like, it's not, well, I, Well, I was really nice to somebody and they weren't nice to me. So I'm not going to be nice to anybody ever again. Like that that wasn't the problem. Like in, in, your expectations may have been the problem, right? Well, I'm going to be nice, but I need you to tell me how nice I am. I need my name on the wall and I want people to throw me a parade. Like if that's, there's no amount of nice you're going to be able to do or have a result of this going to justify that and give you what you want. And is that really the thing anyway, right? It, and I think there's one of those inherent things we get why that's important. We get why honoring somebody, we get why loving somebody is is there. We get why, for we understand some element of why forgiveness is such a thing. And that goes back to the unfortunate part about the negativity gospel, is that that's at the core of it. Like I was given this amazing gift, yay me, but I'm sure so i'm not going to give it away. <laughs> that's for me. That 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 a hole over there doesn't get my forgiveness for what they did. But you don't. But you don't understand what they did to me. And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I have no idea how to feel like what you feel. I don't know what that meant to you. I can't, and that's part of the whole issue, too, I think, around, you know, back to the scientific method, and we had to prove, back to the apophatic, we have to use metaphor and myth to try to even begin to explain what God is and all this stuff.
1: Yeah, you the, have the to last... keep saying God is father, God is mother. And you at the same time, you have to recognize that God is not father and God is not mother, but you have to keep saying anyway. Yeah. And,
0: and if you look, I mean, I remember one of, the, it's one of the, the verses that I just can't get away from anymore is the last last verse in John. And it, it says, I mean, like in every, I've done different translations and there's not enough books or libraries in the world to tell all the stories. And I would even say like for you, like how, is there any way that you could actually describe the love you have for your wife and, and really nail it? No, like, right. Like, there's no way. Or yeah. even your own, like these things that mean something, like there's no, like just our friendship. I mean, I don't want to make it, it has to be super important. Like I could never... Adequately describe what it is meant to me not to not only hear that stuff from you, but then to become friends with you, and to use something you say like a podcast to become friends with Tim and Janet. I mean, Alexander, I've got to know these people. I interview Brian. I mean, so to, to what it felt like, I can't. I can try. Yeah, I that's, have to use metaphor. The fact that you can't
1: describe it with your own words doesn't mean it's not true. In fact, probably right. the more true a thing is, the right. least easy it is to describe. Right?
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That that's why. How do I describe? How, if you, I mean, walking around with anybody of like you know, whether it was buddha or you know muhammad or anybody else, any, any human being ever actually i mean i mean go back to rachel and we'll bring i mean i don't know her at all but to try to explain her life and her uh, whatever she's gone through and her experience like all we can do is hear somebody else and go i kind of feel like there's a, yeah. I, I hear some of what you're saying and I, I understand And that. is
1: this what you mean by honoring the, the the person or honor like you honor the the love that's it's being asked of you for other people is that what it means like you are just sitting with them without trying to squash them or dominate them or whatever like you're you're sitting with them in all their complexity
0: right it goes back to my i mean i sat with a hundred plus people i mean adult i mean strippers for lack of a better word atheists um muslims and i and and again back to that doesn't even describe them
1: this is for your podcast your podcast yeah yeah like i mean
0: i never i mean that's that's just that's barely a start yeah well, i always
1: struggle trying to even like the way that um technology forces us to write a little description right, 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 right? right. And so every podcast it has to be like the name and then a comma
0: and then some description theologian and
1: you're like right. that doesn't
0: <laughs> that's a word it's not Art. david benjamin Bloor, artist like that's well, not, it's just I mean, so inadequate so in, right? right exactly exactly
1: and, uh, yeah so it, we're almost forced by our society to tell lies about each other right and then goes into algorithms
0: th- and it's recognizing the incompleteness of it. And so, I mean, yeah. all that to come down to where, and so that's, you know, it's been stirring and then it just came, you know, that with a bunch of other, just the, you know, it's kind of that fourth path and starting over has got to me with the life, you know, and professionally, personally, some things It just, it was just a, you know, I had to kind of let kind of like in the, in the spirit of what I, back to Janet, the, the words in my head, just let it go for a while. Just let it, so it wasn't anything was wrong. It wasn't that, you know, you didn't say something in a, in a pie. And I just, oh, Stephen or Chris didn't do that. I mean, you guys are some of the great, I mean, most wonderful people I've ever known. So it was, it was, I just had to walk, I kind of, I needed, Yeah. you know, that sabbatical, if you will, or say law or whatever, however you want to put it. it. Is, and so right? just, yeah. And just, I gotta yeah, get my head straight because it, it just, and it just continues. It hadn't gotten any easier, to be honest. I'm just kind of getting some governors on it. And, uh, cause it continues to go and go, cause once you open the door Oh uh, man. You know, here it comes. Careful what you wish for. Well,
1: you're opening up the door to real life, I guess. Right. Rather than compartmentalized versions right. of it. Right. So where are we and now, Sean? Are you are you still gonna keep coming along? Yes. These things and stuff? Okay. Okay.
0: Yes. I mean I, I just cause I mean the work is at the pu- it's all worth it. You know, it's all worth it. It's all worth this back to the second path. It's all worth the suffering. It's all worth it. It's it's worth it being in the crucible. It's worth it. Winter time is not the bad time of the year. That's, that's the thing about the whole quadratus. And that we see it, right? I mean, everybody, oh, winter is terrible. It's, no, it's not no. It's not terrible. It's not it's not terrible to be in the darkness. God is there. Moses went up into the darkness. Like it's it's don't fear, don't let that fear and shame dictate. And that goes back to the negativity. If you're if that's your motivation, it'll, it it works for a little bit. But when the glo- when it comes off, you know. Be ready. You know, in and, and the whole struggle, and I do want to say this around, you know, right now in Kabul and Afghanistan, you know, we're, we're pulling out. You know, tw- you know, we took after 9 11, you know, we, we overthrew the Taliban before the end of 2001. Like within a couple of months, we came in and threw them out. And 20 years later, trillions of dollars, thousands of lives, millions of lives impacted in all kinds of ways, we're getting ready to walk out of there and just walk and leave it, kind of like we did in Saigon, like, mm, sorry, didn't quite work out like we thought or like we hoped. It uh, wasn't our intention, but, mm, you know, here's this giant mess. And I say that with, and that, again, back to metaphor, that didn't even begin to describe it. And, and it just, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Because we, we knew and we did it again.
1: What would you we, say to, I mean, I, I feel like I can't, I can. I have lots of words to say, but I'm not coming from the same place as you are. What would you say to somebody, to an American listener right now who really does talk about, like, really thinks the military and American dominance is the route to peace? What do you say to them?
0: Uh, In one way, I would say they're not, it's not a right or wrong thing. Um, It's because then that doesn't give you any room it doesn't give you any room to be proud of your brother that served or, or to honor somebody that you knew that you got lost, that, you know, somebody who's dying in vain is the thing. That's the, that's the worst. That's the part that the, you don't ever sing songs about that. That's that that's they will it, matter of fact, that's becomes the lore of like, they will not die in vain. It has to be worth something. That sacrifice can't be for nothing. So give a little bit of grace to that. And and I would just, just sit with it. And it's not a, and it's not that you have to, you have to, the, the, you have to do the work. You have to walk through the, ask yourself, what could we have done anything differently should we have done something different is it really Is it really up to us to spend eight hundred nine hundred billion dollars a year on defense? That's the best we can do with that kind of resource though in the next eleven countries um including uh china russia and the u k combined don't spend as much money on defense that we do. Is it our job to be everybody's big brother and then look at the and look at the fruit of that well, you know. And it's not just here. I mean, I think about uh, Dennis Miller. Well, no, you know, we haven't had any attacks on our soil. That's yeah, that's true, but the death and destruction we put elsewhere, we have to, that's we're responsible for that. Just because it didn't happen in in Alabama or Texas, it happens somewhere. These things don't just go away. If you're a 25 year old kid in Afghanistan, you know, I mean, that, that person's been around for the next four or five decades. What is their perspective on life going to be like? And we're responsible for that. You can't go over there and do that and not then just go, oh well, not our fault. So I struggle with all that stuff. And then again, because then you start, if you have that conversation and then people start, oh, you don't love America or you don't care. Or, you don't, you don't think their sacrifices weren't, you, you don't think they were worthwhile either. Let's, let's stop using absolutes, right?
1: I have to say, yeah, we're going to come to a, a close there, <laughs> but I, w- I will kind of end by saying, like, I, I really find you just an absolute model of gracious conversation. I, I often think in the back of my mind, like, wow, how would Sean do this? Because I get so... I'll stay up late like I'll be awake at night sort of bothered by some awful thing that somebody said on Twitter or something and it really bugs me or or I'll I'll be in a conversation with somebody who has some terrible ideas and and I just really sort of gets to me and I think well, how would Sean do this because Sean is you are such an a uh, model of elegant gracious kindness and hospitality that to me I feel like yeah if Sean could do this if he could sit in Texas in Gun shooting, patriotic Texas. If he can do it and he can be still a kind, humble, loving guy, then I can try as well.
0: <laughs> well, I, I would get i would get a friend, like my wife becomes the foil a lot of the time, especially around, I mean, and so I, I got to give her a lot of credit and that comes in the community side, which is part of this is so important is that you have to have people that you can also be completely open with. It's not that you're being a fraud, but it goes back to the politics side. Like, it, I'm sorry, you cannot just say, and do whatever you want all that we just can't this is not a productive way to live it there has to be a give and take there has to be a push pull there has to be there's and that's community and that's saying that even if you do something that pisses me let's say you aggravate me to the point where i want to and it's not that you're not going to feel that way either that's the other that's the other problem i think with the prosperity gospel or the negativity gospel side is that if you just do this then you won't ever be angry again you won't ever have this feeling again and then because when you do then you're like oh i'm not, not honoring this gift that Jesus gave me because I just got mad at somebody for cutting me off on the highway or cause some idiot on the television got up there and said stuff that I cannot believe an elected official in the United States would ever say out loud, let alone representing this country. And you're just like, are you listening to the words? What do you mean? There's no systemic racism. We have more people in prison than any other country in the world. Like, what do you mean? Go and look, just read, just do some research for the love of God. Then take a genius. but they, and, they not, and they're not willing to look at that. And still, but still, also know that if 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 their house was on fire, that you'd go in there and get them out.
1: Yeah, right. To hold those two together, um, have utter contempt really for some of the ideas and the words, and to have not allow them to speak into your life, and yet to also be willing and and actually able to to rush to be by their side when a human being is in need. Like those two things, I feel like we've got to have that. Truth is somewhere it encompasses both those actions
0: yeah. yeah yeah and, and, I, and I think it's a great place to land but it becomes undeniable like you can't deny the the, the, cru- the cross you can't deny wisdom in a sense you can't deny like if the the the, the story there the um i'm losing it now but the uh, the good samaritan story like it wasn't about levites and whatever it's put in whoever you want in there if 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 if, 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 if the you know, lead Republican, lead Democrat, walk by somebody who's on the, on the side of the road, starving to death, and a member of ISIS. And I don't mean like old school Egypt, I mean like, ones over there beheading people. If that person who's part of that group helps that person. Put those people, and I think you talked about this. It's not Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, you know, or, or, I think everybody, Brian on said it too. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, and by default, that means that President Trump, President Biden are not. It means the Declaration of Independence is not. The ultimate guide. Stop making it into that. That's what it means. You have to let the with, with challenges to let that go, but but not not in the sense of like you have to destroy it and make it go away.
1: No, you just put it in its place.
0: You put it, and that's which, I love when you're part, part of it.
1: Idolatry is right. about. It's just you get to choose back in their place, and, yeah. not and I and I've above. said
0: that, and I thank you so much for that context that you gave me around. Just I get to choose in a sense. I get to choose how I love. Yeah, you know, love yeah. blindly, loving blind is just that.
1: Oh, Sean, thank you so much for this uh, conversation. I'm sure it's the first of many more that will happen. But I think for now, we will say goodbye. And
0: uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. Love you, bro. Love what you do. Thanks so oh, much. Love, love you, Sean. Thank you love so much, you. brother. And the, the hyphen podcast you're doing, I don't know if you guys, I forgot if, I, I think, I don't know if you guys promote or if we promote it out there officially. Yeah, we we,
1: we mention it from time to time. Uh, just listen. Yeah. Rabbi Avi Feingold who reached out to me he's a he's a rabbi in montreal and he reached out to me and asked to start a podcast with me so uh, a, a jewish theologian and a christian theologian sit down together and we ask each other any question we want about the other one's religion and culture and it's it's a lot of fun it sounds like a joke it sounds like it should yeah, it sounds like it should be the sort of a joke
0: right oh yeah i know
1: <laughs> a jew and a christian walk into a bar and started a podcast. <laughs> that's so good friend. sean so you're the one you're the podcast it's all your fault really all these podcasting it's all come it's all come out will, of you so i will
0: take all the blame and pass it and, and gift it to those that came before <laughs> me so thanks to tim and david for the, the ogs of the faith-based podcasting world yeah out there. can
1: you actually this is a good this is a good place to end do you want to plug some other like what are some podcasts you think that listeners to tent might like what are some other podcasts that have really influenced you
0: well, one that you, are, you know one really well, can I say this at church with uh, can I say Price? This at church? Yeah, right, that's Price? a good. Um, I think uh, the Bible Project does a really good job of, I think, balancing the academic side with challenging what you know. Yeah, um, and that's Pete and Jared bias. N- 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 so, the Bible Project is the guy. Um, oh. no, no, it's oh, the no, Bible Project, that's different. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, that's the, the, Pete, they did the YouTube videos and the cartoons and stuff. Pete, Pete and them have the only God-ordained podcasts on the internet and it's, uh, so that's, but it's, it's another good one, I don't know, cause I on the podcast, industry, I've gone through another one too, where I've just kind of, I've started to get into like, I, I would even almost take it a little bit different route. Listen to a podcast on something, back to what you're talking about, like that opportunity, like that opportunity to talk to somebody um, and try to be graceful to them is actually, that's the chance, that's the opportunity. That thing That I don't know anything about, like I don't, I love music Knowing about it. So I'm listening to like some some podcasts about um, old music, like really getting into the marrow, of it or getting in the marrow of a subject that, that you don't, but if it's a challenge for you, you don't know a lot about it. Go listen to those podcasts, go find it, you know, language or culture or somebody else's perspective, you know, take whoever you are. Like I'm a right-handed, you know, English speaking white guy from Texas. So go find somebody who's not like me at all. And what in the world do they have to say about it? Do do that. I would do find, find your foil. And then really and, and shut up and listen to them. Well, that
1: sounds like the best place to
0: stop. Shut up. (laughs)
1: I'll try. I'll try. All right, Sean, shut up. See you later. Bye, brother. (laughs) Bye. To further support the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media and learn more about Tenth Theology at www.tenththeology.com. Thank you for joining us, and God bless everyone.